0: Peggy Hoyt.
1: Hello, pet lovers. Welcome to All My Children Wear Fur Coats. I'm your host, Peggy Hoyt, and this show is brought to you by the law offices of Hoyt and Bryan, where we create estate plans for pets and their people. Also brought to you by Animal Care Trust USA, a national nonprofit dedicated to keeping loved pets in loving homes. We do this by educating pet parents about the importance of getting a pet trust for their loved pet we also provide pet trustee services. Today, we are so lucky to have as our guest, Katie Campbell. She is the Director of Collaboration and Outreach at Red Rover, and we're going to learn all about her. Hey, Katie.
2: Hey, Peggy. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, so happy you're here. I want to tell folks all about you and what you're doing. So Katie is the director of collaboration and outreach for Red Rover with more than 15 years experience in the nonprofit world. She has worked with diverse communities across racial, ethnic, and economic lines, including working closely with survivors of domestic violence, as well as other individuals at risk. In partnership with Greater Good Charities Rescue Rebuild Program, Katie created and spearheaded the Don't Forget the Pets Collaborative Project. Katie provides training and assistance on how to create and sustain community-based pet programs, which includes the importance of recognizing pets in domestic violence, the power of collaboration, and the potential role of pet programs in fundraising. All right, here's our expert. Katie, Um, tell us about yourself, not just the formal introduction, but the real
2: Katie. Uh, the the real Katie um, is uh, a husky lover. Um, you you obviously can't see um, behind me right now, but I've got a couple of photos up there of um, three three of my greatest friends. Um, I am truly a lifelong a lifelong animal lover. You know, I grew up um, in a small town in North Carolina. Uh, my mom was the president um, of our local humane society. Um, uh, you know, fast forward a, a few years later, uh, and I started working in human services. And I was working with a lot of folks who were experiencing different types of crisis situations, folks experiencing homelessness, domestic violence. And you know, I never put those two things together. Um I never put the link between human and animal violence together. Um, and then, you know, I, I found Red Rover, and I am very, very happy to say that seven years later, um, this is still my passion work. Um, I still come to work every day, uh, feeling excited uh, for the work that I get to do and um, helping communities support people and pets in crisis.
1: That is so cool. Um, and and yet we do know today that there is a direct link between animal violence and domestic abuse.
2: We do. We do. You know, um, a lot of the foundational research goes back to, um, I'd say the the mid to late 90s, you know, when we really first started to to put these two things together and, you know, roughly 70% of women in a domestic violence shelter shared that their pets were injured or threatened or harmed by their abuser. Um, And we see with more current research today that that is still absolutely the case. Um, You know, there was a, a really great report that came out back in 2021 um, it was a partnership between the Urban Resource Institute in New York City and the National Domestic Violence Hotline, and they surveyed about twenty five hundred survivors um, who were calling in, you know, chatting in to get resources related to domestic violence, and and they shared about their experience related to domestic violence and and uh, animal violence. And, you know, 48% of them said, yeah, you know, harm to my pet is a real worry to me. Um, you know, the whether or not they could bring their pet with them also really factored into whether or not they would seek safety. Um, 97% of 2,500 people said, hey, keeping my pet with me is, is an important factor. And, um, you know, so we see that this is a really, really prevalent issue for people experiencing domestic violence and represents a large barrier for people and their pets to find safety and healing together.
1: So do you feel like there's a trend for domestic abuse shelters to now open their doors to animals as well?
2: Oh, gosh, I this is one of the things that makes me so happy, Um, you know, when when talking about a not happy subject, Um, you know, I started this work um, at Red Rover seven years ago, we had already been doing this kind of work with domestic violence and pets for a few years. Um, but I was really charged with helping domestic violence shelters create this kind of programming. Um, and and I'm not going to lie. I got a lot of hang ups. I got a lot of unreturned emails. Um, but today, just the momentum and the enthusiasm for it is just it's mind blowing. Um, you know, it's we have people coming to us. Um, you know, we've trained nearly 800 people through the Don't Forget the Pets project. Um, You know, we've given out more than, I believe it's more than 200 grants at this point, um, totaling more than $3.8 million to domestic violence. Yeah, to domestic violence shelters and animal shelters to create that dedicated housing for the pets of survivors. So there's a lot of momentum in the right direction. That
1: is really cool. I am really excited to hear about that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, these are definitely very exciting times for us here at Red Rover. And and I think, um, you know, for many communities throughout, throughout the country.
1: So I wasn't exactly sure when I first saw don't forget the pets, um, what that meant, because to me, that means don't forget your pets as part of your estate planning, right? (laughs) And, and you're looking at it from a different perspective, but they really kind of go hand in hand.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am not a marketing person. Um, and so, you know, I don't know that the name that we chose was the best, uh, but absolutely um, that it really does ring true to our message, which is don't forget the pets um, when you are serving people in crisis. Um, so we formally started that project um, with Greater Good Charities Rescue Rebuild program back in 2019. Um, and we've done many, many workshops, um, both virtually and in-person since then. Um, And really the whole idea behind the project is to walk organizations through that process of creating a pet housing program. You know, everything from why it's important to who and how to collaborate, from um, actual design and construction, you know, the rescue rebuild team, they're basically a nonprofit construction program. And so they can help organizations through that process, you know, finding the space, um, you know, actually creating those drawings, helping them with budgets. Um, And, you know, we also help uh, with policies and procedures, you know, the the not so fun stuff that I get to talk about, um, you know, but they're a really, really important piece of the puzzle When thinking about, you know, how do you make your staff feel okay about this programming? You know, how do you make your your insurance company feel okay about this programming? And most importantly, you know, how do you make sure these programs last for years and years and years? And so it's really important to put all of this into writing. Um, And we also talk them through the fundraising piece. And, you know, obviously at Red Rover, we've got funding um, to provide for this type of programming. Rescue Rebuild has funding. Um, but the really, really cool thing about these kinds of programs is that they're a fundraising tool for domestic violence organizations. You know, we hear from so many folks at DV shelters that it's easier to raise money for animals, for pets than it is for people. And it's a sad truth, um, but it is a, it's a truth that we can take advantage of. Um, and so this really does become a fundraising tool for folks.
1: Well, I know in the case of my clients, when they're asking me about um, if they have an interest in domestic violence, they always say to me, "Do you know of shelters that allow people to bring mm-hmm. their pets because that yeah. is who they want to support. Um, yeah. I mean, people are attracted to our law firm because of our pet orientation and and then they're like, yeah, if i if I'm given money." I mean, they give money to lots of people, organizations too, but if they want to give money to animal related um, things and combine that with domestic violence, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I can't imagine, I've never been in that situation, so I can't um, put myself into the shoes of that person, but I could absolutely imagine that I would not want to leave my home or my pets behind if I felt like they were in danger at all.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that brings up a really great point, Peggy, you know, there's a lot of judgment around domestic violence and, you know, that question of why does a survivor stay? Um, and I, you know, I think one of the, the, the nice, um, things about understanding this link between human and animal violence is that it helps kind of remove some of that judgment. Um, and, you know, it, it really does offer, I think, this avenue to talk about domestic violence and understand the myriad reasons why a survivor might not leave at that time. Um, and so I, you know, I think it's, it is this really great way, this almost this soft entryway in, into a better understanding of domestic violence
1: yeah I th- I think people can understand in that particular mm-hmm. instance why mm-hmm. why somebody might not leave um, mm-hmm. I I'm closely associated with a group here in Florida um, that is working towards a animal abuser database um, not only on a statewide but on a nationwide basis so that we can start identifying early, Um, those people who start with animal abuse so that they don't then spiral into the people abuse.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that points at, um, you know, one of the most important pieces of, of this kind of work for me um, is that, you know, we have these different sectors talking to each other. So we have human services talking to animal services, talking to law enforcement. You know, um, I, I think when, when we can talk to each other and when we can work together on solutions, you know, we really are going to help make sure that people and pets are safer.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So you have a program called the Purple Leash Program. Tell us about that.
2: Yeah. uh, So excited for our Purple Leash Project. Um, It is a campaign um, that we have been doing with Purina since 2019. Um, And, you know, certainly they help fund um, some of our safe housing grants. So we offer up to $60,000 to domestic violence shelters and animal shelters to help them create that dedicated um, space housing for uh, pets of domestic violence survivors. So certainly Purina is a huge supporter of that. um, But they also just help raise awareness around this issue, Um, you know. I shared a little bit earlier about how I didn't have my light bulb moment until I came to Red Rover. Um, But, you know, one other really important statistic that came out of that Urban Resource Institute and National Domestic Violence Hotline survey was that 72 percent of those survivors who reached out for resources had no idea that a pet program was even a thing. Had no idea. They had no idea to ask for it. They had no idea to look for it. And so one of the most amazing things that Purina is helping us do through the Purple Leash Project is raise that awareness. You know, certainly raise awareness for potential donors, but also raising awareness for potential survivors. Um, and so, you know, during the month of October, which is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, there's going to be special packaging and special Visuals in stores from, I believe it's six brands, um, where packaging is going to include information about the Purple Leash Project and directly connecting survivors um, to that really, really vital information. Uh, you know, if you had asked me five years ago if I ever thought that there would be domestic violence and pets information on packaging in a store i would have never believed it and so i think this is just one of the most powerful pieces of the purple leash project
1: that is really incredible and and very exciting and uh october's right around the corner
2: (laughs) sadly it is right (laughs) around the corner it is is. i can't believe it yeah so i'm
1: sure there's a lot left to be done um (laughs) yeah we're staying busy I'm sure you are. So um, in addition to offering the grants and the Don't Forget the Pets workshops, I mean, are the workshops just for shelters or are they for anybody who might be interested in this topic?
2: Anybody who might be interested, you know, certainly we want to bring together folks from human services, so domestic violence and homelessness, um, but we also bring together animal shelter, animal service organizations, we bring together veterinary medicine. Um, and then, yes, anybody else who's interested and in, in might play a role. So we often see law enforcement, animal control. Um, we'll see child welfare or child protective services folks come. Um, you know, sometimes other um, funding uh, folks come to these kind of trainings. And honestly, just anybody who has an interest and, and wants to learn what's happening and, and wants to be able to support or bring something to their local community. So anybody is welcome to come. Um, You can find all the information about Don't Forget the Pets at don'tforgetthepets.org. Oh, okay.
1: Has its own website.
2: Yep. Has its own website. Lots of great information in there. We've got a resource library. um, We've got a document library. And so you know, if folks kind of want to get some sample documents, um, you know, sample intake forms, sample consent forms, that's all in there. And um, we also have our training handbook. Um, it is, I want to say, about 55 pages long at this point. Um, but it really does, uh, just like the training workshop, walk, thro- walk folks through that process. Um, and it's all free. Um, we also offer free coaching or technical assistance. And so we can provide support to organizations one on one. Um, through this process. So very exciting stuff.
1: Yeah, it is very exciting. All right. So we kind of started in the middle um, Mm -hmm. with the projects that you're working on, but for folks that are listening that maybe don't know about Red Rover and actually their bigger mission, can you talk about that as well?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Red Rover started in 1987 um, and our mission really is to um, help people and pets out of crisis and to strengthen that human-animal bond. Um, so we started with our Red Rover Responders Program. Um, it's kind of like the Red Cross for animals. So we train volunteers all throughout the U.S. and Canada on how to provide temporary emergency sheltering services in natural disasters, cruelty situations, seizures, that sort of thing. Um We also will occasionally take our volunteers out and actually help with some of the shelter builds um, that we do with Rescue Rebuild. So we'll take a team out and they'll actually help with that construction. We're going to be doing a project um, in October down in southwest Georgia, so helping a domestic violence shelter become pet friendly. Um, So lots of great opportunities under that Red Rover Responders umbrella. Besides our Uh, domestic violence work. We also help with some emergency vet care. So we have urgent care grants under our Red Rover relief umbrella. So we can help folks with some small grants to help get that emergency vet care taken care of. And then finally, um, we help teach kids about kindness, compassion, and empathy for animals and people through our Red Rover Readers Program. Um, So we have a readers program that is, um, you know, initially designed for teachers, um, but it can also be done by humane educators, um, really just walking them through how to use children's books um, and how to use the curriculum to have really open-ended, non-judgmental conversations around animals and people. Um, And then we also have the Kind News program. Um, You know, if if listeners are uh, familiar with uh, the Ranger Rick magazine, which is what I had when I was a kid. Um, It's kind of similar to that. um, But you know, some really fun education, some games and some learning related to animals, all different kinds of animals. Um, So yeah, that's that's kind of what we do here at Red Rover. We are based in Sacramento, California. But like I said, we do work um, all throughout the US and on occasion in Canada as well when it comes to our volunteer programs. So, are you actually in California? or Are you somewhere else? I am not in California. I am based in uh, New York, um, okay. but I did live in California for about twelve years before um, coming back east, uh, and and moving to New York.
1: All right, I was thought I thought you were going to say North Carolina, since that's <laughs> where you were from.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I kind of um, I stayed on on the coast, and so I went from North Carolina to California, um, and now. Now, back to the East Coast in New York. I was actually born in New York, so it's not completely unfamiliar territory.
1: So, Kind News is something I'm familiar with because Mm -hmm. I believe it was a Humane Society of the United States project at one time. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. uh, you probably know that my dad was the president and CEO of the Humane Society of the United States and actually started that program.
2: Very cool. Very cool. It's, it's a wonderful program. And, um, you know, it's just it's fun. And it's like visually appealing. um, And it's just a really cool way for kids, I think, to learn about other animals, but more importantly, to connect with other kids about animals. And I think that's what is so amazing about, you know, the readers program, and the kind news program, is that kids just like animals. um, And they're really, really engaging subjects. Um, and so it's, it's just a really great way for them to connect and learn more.
1: I don't, I could not agree more. And, and I have always loved the philosophy of if we teach children to be kind to animals when they're young, they Mm -hmm. will always be kind to animals because they'll just always have that built in reverence for them.
2: For sure. Absolutely.
1: So you and I were lucky we got to be raised in animal welfare, um, So we kind of have that built in gene for um, loving animals. But um, I think that's so exciting. And um, I'm so happy that you're able to share this um, with our listeners today. Um, What else can you tell us? Um, How can somebody become a Red Rover's Responders Volunteer?
2: Oh, so that's that's an easy one. So I would encourage you to go to redrover.org slash join responders you'll get all the info on the training it's done online it's free Um, it is go at your own pace I would say it takes about three to four hours Um, so you know not a huge undertaking Um, but you'll get all of that initial training related to being a responders volunteer And then when a situation comes up that we are called um, to come and support, we'll reach out to folks in that area, start recruiting volunteers. And then when you're on the ground, you'll get kind of all the additional training that you might need, like all the hands-on kind of stuff. Um, You know, you don't have to come being an animal expert. You don't have to come being a construction expert. If you're going to come on a shelter build, you don't have to be an expert, you know, um, you can come with the tools and the assets that you have. And, and as long as, you know, you're excited and, and willing to learn and work hard, that's really all that we need.
1: That, that's fun.
2: Um,
1: so some people are going to say, okay, well, maybe I don't want to do that. Can I just write a check? Can they do that too?
2: <laughs> that's also an important piece of the puzzle. <laughs> definitely. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's obviously the easy way that you can contribute to um, all of our programming is going to redrover.org, and you'll find a little donate button um, up at the top right. Um, Now, if you want to support during Domestic Violence Awareness Month, which again is October, um, Purina is actually going to match 100% of donations up to $200,000. So. Yeah, so those donations that come through to support the Purple Leash Project, they're going to match them up to 200k, um, and you can donate that way by going to redrover.org/slash Purple Leash Project.
1: Okay, that's very cool. All right, I'm on your website. Um, Tell us what is the 25 by 2025 campaign.
2: This one's really exciting. We just launched it, gosh, just a couple of days ago. I'm actually going to be doing a kickoff call here in a couple of days about it. Um, really, it is designed to um, continue that momentum that we talked about earlier. So we're working really, really hard to help ensure that 25% of domestic violence shelters are pet friendly by 2025 in the U.S. Awesome. Um, Yeah. So we're at about 17% right now. Um, For a little bit of context, when I started at Red Rover in 2016, I want to say we were at 3%. Um, So we've come a long way. And we really want to get to that 25 by 2025. So folks go to the website 25 by 2025.org. You'll get all the information there. We encourage you to download the toolkit, take the pledge. It will give you sample language, whether you're at a domestic violence shelter who's already pet friendly, or you want to become pet friendly, or you're a community member who wants to see your local domestic violence shelter become pet friendly. We've got sample language in there for letters to the editor, um, for social media. Um, So lots of great resources um, on the website.
1: That is so cool. Um, if you were at three and now you're at seventeen, yeah, I bet you can beat twenty five.
2: I'm, I mean, I'm hoping. I'm hoping we can beat twenty five. Um, I, you know, we talked about just the the excitement, the momentum earlier. Um, and and I really like there is just there's just so much excitement. Um, about it, you know, where we really I think are at a point where domestic violence shelters understand that this is a barrier. Um, but they also understand that there are amazing benefits to becoming pet friendly. And so, um, I think these are definitely exciting times for us.
1: Very. And, and I think more than ever, we are seeing pets as, um, members of our family and recognized Mm -hmm. in that way that they're as important as the mom, the dad, the kids, everybody else.
2: Yep, yeah, did you see the recent um, survey that came out? I believe it was 95% of pet owners consider their pet to be a member of the family.
1: I did not see that, but I don't disbelieve that. I absolutely believe that.
2: Yeah, yeah, I believe it was a Pew Research poll. um, And I'm pretty sure that HABRI, the Human-Animal Bond Research Institute, um, shared that out. They have some really, really great resources uh, related to the human-animal bond um, and just the impact that pets have uh, on our lives. I mean, it's it's just tremendous. Haber even um, came out recently to say that pet ownership saves. $22.7 billion in healthcare costs like oh, that. I, be,
1: I believe that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's phenomenal. So um, lots of great research just um, out there right now related to the human animal bond and, and just the, 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 many wonderful things that we know pets bring us.
1: Well, and I'm going to dispel another myth for our listeners because you have Huskies as you said in the beginning, but you also have a cat. Um So, yeah. People always say you can't have cats and huskies, but I, yeah. you are proof. And uh, my nephew also has a husky and a cat. Yeah. So yeah. Um, just got to raise them right. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> you know, I, you know, I, I think pets um, are a lot like us humans and we're all individuals and, you know, we all have certain things about us and, and, you know, pets are just, just the same. So, yeah. 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 And uh
1: yeah, we don't all get along, do
2: we? <laughs> we don't, we don't, and that's okay too. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's funny be, because as I was telling you, I have a half husky and uh um he he likes to uh start that husky singing that they're known for and um The pool guy was at my house this morning and he started this chorus among all my dogs who they all jumped in. And pretty soon it sounded like there was a pack of coyotes in my house because they were all yipping and howling at the same time.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It is a very exciting day around here when a fire engine um, goes by. Uh, That's that's the most exciting time around here.
1: Okay, well, your dogs would love it here because we have like um, emergency sirens that go off (laughs) regularly for lightning and wind and thunderstorms, so they would be having a blast.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not so sure the neighbors uh, would enjoy it so (laughs) much. (laughs) That's
1: so funny. Well, you have shared so much wonderful information with us today, and Um, Absolutely, listeners, you should go to redrover.org, check out all of their programs, um, but especially their upcoming Purple Leash program and October um, Domestic Violence Month. And we can't thank Katie enough for being with us today. And, um, you know, my favorite saying, until there are none, please adopt one. And we'll see you next time. Happy tails.
0: Thank you for joining us on All My Children Wear Fur Coats with your host, Peggy Hoyt. We hope you learned something valuable for the benefit of your pet.